What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. The horn. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a soft place to play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the guys play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, we predicted a close one, closer than most, and I'll say this. I like it when we're right, and I don't always like it when we're right. Man, Mississippi State has to get credit here, okay? They've got a very good head coach, and they had a very good game plan coming into this game. They were going to keep the ball away from us, shorten the game, try to grind us out and exploit our weaknesses at the inside linebacker position. And had we not had a few big plays with our small time of possession, it would have worked. Uh, kudos to Dan Mullen, man. He's a hell of a coach. Yeah, I think hats off. How, how, many, how many times this season have we said, gosh, if you're a defensive coordinator, how do you prepare for Alabama? Well, now we know you get off, you get out of your desk, you walk down the hall and you talk to the offensive coordinator about holding the ball for as long as you damn can. Absolutely, man. And then when you know that you've got all these injuries at the linebacker position, you know, you run the ball in between the tackles time after time after time. And uh, it almost worked, man. It was a good game plan on their part. I, I've got to, you know, tip my cap to them. Yeah, I, I think so, and and we'll break part of it down. You know, obviously when when we get to defense, but but um, <clears throat> I think that uh, and this was an interesting game, and and it took some reflection. You know, sort of not just immediately after the game, but you know, it took some time after the game to sort of reflect it and really look at it. I think for really what it was, and part of what it was on offense was an outstanding performance. I, th- I was very impressed and pleased with our offense. We talked last week, uh, the LSU game, where LSU had uh, a 
not quite this pronounced, but they had a, uh, a pronounced advantage in the time of possession. And we talked about, hey, we would have been happy to have a team that could hold the ball for 24 points and score or for 24 minutes and score 24 points. Well, here we've got an offense that held the ball for 21 minutes and scored 31 points. And so they were much more efficient. Uh, in 21 minutes, they you know, racked up 444 yards and uh, you know, 19 first downs. Those are not you know, world beater numbers, but when you look at them in context, that's a pretty impressive performance. Well, and that 21 minutes can be broken down further in the fact that they only had the ball eight minutes at halftime. Right. And, you know, thank goodness Alabama was able to to make a dent uh, in the second half and only lose that, that battle 17 minutes to 13 minutes in order to get to their 21. Because had they replicated that eight minutes that they did in the first half, they would have lost this football game. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Alabama would have, would, would have lost. But I, I think, and, in, in, you know, tell me what you think, but I'm doubling down on I think this was a very impressive offensive performance. You know, we can break down, uh, you know, Jalen's play. I think that uh, 19 carries was was a little much, but I liked uh, I liked him passing the ball. Uh, 10 of 18, 242, a touchdown, and he had some drops and and some throwaways in there as well. I think compare his performance Saturday against Mississippi State to you know maybe the the um, wasn't a come from behind, but it was the last minute you know score to to separate the game against LSU last year. Last year he he won that game with his legs. This year I felt like he won in his Mississippi State, but this year, I felt like he won the game with his arm. That is a progression that that we've sort of been hoping for. And uh, there's a little bit of oh, I hesitate to use the word arrival, but that's a little bit of what we've been looking for. I think he won the game with his arm. You know, I I don't know if I'd say he won it with his arm. I, I think okay more more so. I think um, Jalen won this game. Or or helped his team win this game, yeah. Just because of his composure, I, I don't I don't want to take away what you're saying with his passing. Okay, his throw his throw to Calvin, his throw to Calvin down the sideline when he was you know being scrambling out of the pocket to the right, and he had to use just all arm to throw that ball. That was a really good pass that he threw on the run, which is a difficult throw to make. There were other times he made throws that he threw behind and he underthrew. And like there was a couple times he threw some really bad balls to Calvin Ridley that yeah. Calvin just made him look good. Calvin went down to the ground and picked it off the ground and, and, you know, got yards after the catch. And, you know, just to be fair, you know, the ball was still kind of erratic. The ball was still kind of placed, you know, not where you want it all the time uh, consistently. But he did make some throws when he needed to make them. And so for the second week in a row, you know, he made some some third down conversions with his arm uh, that was big. Uh, there was other times that, you know, he was scrambling. He had nowhere to throw the ball. Instead of throwing the ball, he just ran out of bounds and, and lost four yards, which I'm like, why did you do that? And so that counted as one of those rushes, right? Other times he correctly threw the ball out of the out of the out of uh, threw the ball away because there was nothing you know there was nothing he could do there. So 
I, I still think he's still learning. Um, but I think that given the game plan that Mississippi State threw at him, he would have lost this game a year ago with the same game plan. Yeah. Okay. So, so what I what I hear us saying is we're not using the exact same words, and and we're not landing on exactly, you know, the same part of the same page, but we're more aligned in what we're thinking than you know a year ago we used to debate is this guy going to play the position or not. Now it feels like we were both complimentary. He wasn't perfect. I'm not going to suggest that, that that he was perfect, but I agree. He would not have won this game last year. Uh, and so that with represents – with the same, And I mean with the same defensive game plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the same – The exact same thing, thing against him. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he would have had as much success, which does have to speak to progression. He wouldn't have had the same passing yards he would have probably had more carries than 19 and they would have lost the football game. Yeah. Yeah. I think all things being equal freshman Jalen is not able to do what sophomore Jalen is able to do. And that's what you would, you would hope that would be a true statement. And and so he's progressing in, in such a way. And so, you know, there again, I'm not going to say he was perfect. Uh, there were certainly times he could have thrown the ball away. There were some of his, his, his passes were not, you know, ideally placed, but they were well enough placed that the catches were made. And th- there was a good one with, you know, Cal. He had to go down and get one. Uh, I think even, you know, even Smitty on the touchdown catch, he had to adjust a little bit. But, you know, guess what? That happens, right? That's We're playing with live bullets under live fire. They're not all going to be picture picturesque. No, no, no. You're never going to make great throws all the time. But I will say also in this game plan for Mississippi State, they were blitzing the safeties a lot. Yeah. Okay. And they were bringing, they were sneaking the safeties up. And several times they sent eight when we had seven. They sent seven when we had six. They sent six when we had five. I mean, they were, they were making Jalen make quick decisions. And so, once again, kudos to Mississippi State. They were like, Okay, we can see on the film that you're trying to sit in the pocket and you're you're trying to go through your progressions and you're trying to be a pocket passer. So we're going to speed this up for you. Yeah, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're going to come at you quicker and we're going to we're going to take you out of your comfort zone that we've noticed in the past few weeks. And uh I think for the most part he didn't get rattled. I mean, to me his biggest strength that this kid has is his ability to not look rattled ever. I mean, it is all the time he's been quarterback, right? Well, well, you know, I was not fortunate to see this game live. And so watching this game on TV, you know, they were showing his parents in the stands a couple times and he gets it from his dad, man. I mean, <laughs> you his mother, yeah, I mean, his mother was like, you know, making her hands raw. She was clapping so hard. And several times the dad was just sitting there and he was just watching. And he, there was good no, play and no, bad play. You could not. You, you couldn't get a lot out of him. No expression on his face whatsoever, so you can see where he gets this from. But, you know, go back to the fourth and four play, okay? I mean, that's a gutsy call by Saban. The game is on the line. Um, you know, you go forward on fourth and four, and he has to deliver. And just like last year when he delivered, you know, to put Bama up in the national championship game, you know, which they thought was the, the game-winning drive. Yep. This guy – to his credit, and you have to call a spade a spade, for him to be able to line up there on that fourth and four, even though they, um, you know, even though they proceeded 
uh, and, and for him to convert on that fourth and four play, you would have thought that was first and 10 instead of right. fourth and four. And that's just, that's amazing to me. Yeah. His, and, and you would have thought, you know, first and 10 in the first quarter, right. You know, just his, his composure, you know, a lot of teams will say, and we've talked about this, we're going to, we're going to, you know, line up, get after the quarterback, stop the run and make the quarterback beat us with his arm. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to ask you if you would agree with that statement, but I think directionally he acquitted himself well against that charge because I do think that's what Mississippi State, you know, attempted to do. And I thought they did have a good game plan, and I thought they did execute it really well, uh, a, you know, really good complimentary uh, performance on both sides of the ball. But, um, you know, call it Jalen's poise is is really what separated uh, the Alabama offense and allowed them to, to to perform and ultimately pull out the game. Oh, yeah, because, you know, going back to his composure very quickly, I think if Mississippi State does the same game plan against other quarterbacks who don't have nearly his composure, they rattle him for sure. I mean, this yeah. game plan works with a lot of other teams. And, uh, it, you know, it just it just wasn't able to with, with him. Um, I, I want you to talk to me about the the distribution of the the carries, though. You know, Damian only has eight carries. You know, Josh mm-hmm. has six. Bo has five. Um, granted, they they didn't have the ball a lot, so I, I get that, and I get the fact that Jalen hurts some of these scrambles counts as a carry, but still, it was a little bit light on on the carries to to the running backs, even given twenty one time twenty one minutes time of possession. Yeah, I you know I had that I had these guys kind of bracketed, and I wanted to talk about that, and so I think there is sort of a a div. Sort of an inflationary value to each of these carries because of the time of possession and because of the you know the relatively you know low number of snaps. I think what fifty nine you know offensive uh, offensive snaps. And so I I think you kind of weigh that in. But even still, each of these guys should have gotten you know ten, eleven, twelve carries, right? And so uh, a little bit a little bit more than they did. And so I t- I'll tell you what I thought was was interesting and almost, you know, it's almost like I have a bullet point on, on all three of these guys. You know, I was glad to see, you know, Jacobs only had one carry against LSU. And so I was most pleased to see him receive carries. Uh, and, and, and then he had some touches, you know, in, in the passing game as well, but I was, I was pleased to see him get uh, some carries. I think he has an explosiveness. Uh, I think he was a little bit of a spark on the offense Damien is just Damien. He's always, you know, kind of what he is, which is an outstanding running back who just always tends to be a little bit overrated or underrated rather. And and he had a nice long run. And when he scored his touchdown, you know, you know, there at the end, uh, and I guess that was one that tied it up, just the energy and excitement that that he had. I, that was just outstanding. Um, and then Bo, Bo's probably the most interesting to me because there was a stretch in the fourth quarter where he was unstoppable. He had uh, three carries in a row, and so he had five carries on the game. He had three in a row where he racked up a couple of first downs, and he took himself out of the game. And that registered to me so curiously. And he just went over and, and like, sat down, and, and it was almost like we were putting him back on the shelf. I don't know if he was dinged up. I've not read anything. I've not seen anything. I've not heard any report. But the way that he took himself out of the game 
when he was in such a rhythm, and I get you get winded, but it's not like they were all 20-yard runs. It just it just seemed like that he would want to be back in there and get that fourth and fifth carry and, and march the ball down the field. I was really surprised. I was probably most surprised when he took himself out there. And it almost it's sort of like it falls into a narrative of this guy that we've sort of been building, you know, last year and this year. And I hate that it's true, but, I mean, am I wrong? From what I could tell, I went back and looked at that third run of his uh, about four or five times. Um, he looked like he came up a little gimpy to me. Um, he he looked like he just he he just planted wrong as he was going out of bounds, and so it looks to me like he pulled himself out um, due to that. Because as I was, you know, this was the uh, to your point, uh, this was the second to last drive of the game. Even a few minutes later, they show the uh, sideline and they show Bo walking uh, behind the offensive coordinator who is calling, signaling in the plays, and they're zooming in on him and Bo's behind him. And you can see he's got a little limp yeah. as he's walking um, as he's walking down the sideline with one of the uh, staff members. So I'm, I'm going to say I think, because uh, I, th- I thought the same thing at the time, uh, I, I think he was. Uh, I think he did land wrong because, uh, to your point, you know, he had to run for six yards, then 10 yards, then 13 yards. And so, to your point, you know, he had two runs in a row that were, you know, for more than a first down. Um, so, I, I do unfortunately think that that he uh, uh, that he came up a little gimpy there. And so, interestingly enough, when, when Damien came into the game, you know, Damien came in right after that, uh, and Damien proceeded uh, to run for 18 yards. And I point that out real quick because that series was interesting to me mm-hmm. uh, because when Bo came into the game, we ran the ball around the end every single time. First and 10, Bo went to the, to the uh, right. Second and four, he went to the left. Yep. First and 10, he went to the right. Yep. Damien comes back. Damien comes in for him. The very next play, when he runs for 18 yards, we also ran wide to the right again. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting. There was a there was a deliberate effort on the offensive coordinator's situation at that point to say, you know, he saw something wide or it's late in the game. Let's stretch the field. The guys are tired. You know, because and I guess they can't be tired because they had not played a whole lot on defense. So it was almost right. Yeah. And so what was interesting to me about that is at the time I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, well, it's kind of strength against strength, right? Because the offensive line guys, their jerseys are clean and the defensive guys' jerseys are clean, and neither one of them have played a lot of a lot of minutes. But the offensive line was dominating in that point. And so either A, he felt like he needed to stretch the field. Um, B, he felt like that was just the best numbers as far as being able to, you know, to execute the plays he wanted to execute. But I just thought it was interesting, the deliberate effort of doing that four times in a row. Yeah, me too. I thought, um, and it didn't persist for the full drive and certainly not the, the full quarter. So, you know, it's not apples to apples, but in that four play sort of bubble, call it sort of that moment of time that, that was those four plays. To me, that was reminiscent of the SEC championship against Georgia a couple of years ago where we reached a point in the game where we couldn't be stopped running the ball. 
And, uh, and Eddie Lacy just, you know, running behind, you know, Fluker just, he could not be stopped. And, uh, it just felt like that for, for those couple of plays. And I was like, man, we need to ride this horse because this, we haven't been, we haven't been seeing this one as many times as, as you would think that we would. And we need to, we kind of need to stick with this. And, and then it seemed we kind of got away from the, away from the run, but. Well, I want to ask you your opinion about that. So right after that, Damian carries the ball again on first and 10 at the 33. He gets two yards. And then second and eight, Jalen has a an errant pass to, to Calvin Ridley. And so now we're third and eight, right? And so why do you think we went from our 20-yard line to their 33-yard line in four plays? Mm-hmm. Four plays. Why do you think right there – on first and ten, we didn't. We just didn't keep running the ball. Why do you think we? Why do you think on after Damien got two yards? I'm sorry, on second and eight. Why do you think we then switched back to passing? I don't know. I mean, did did we see them make an adjustment? I don't know. You know, do we think that we're going to try to you know run run something play action out of that because you know they are you know potentially shifting into the box because we have driven the field and. And and then now it's a shorter field. There's less to, of it to defend. There's a lot of different things that you could that you could think of, and that might you know formulate the the answer. But that's not me justifying it. I I think I would have much rather you know seen us line up and continue to uh, to pound the ball there. Well, I want to I do want to talk about that third and eight play uh, because I think besides the fourth and fourth the fourth fourth and fourth play that Jalen converted, I think the second most important play in this game was that third and eight right. um, where they they blitz both safeties. Uh, Jalen has to get rid of the ball very quickly, and he throws the ball up like a jump ball to Calvin Ridley, right? Mm-hmm. And Calvin, due to his just football IQ, gets that pass interference play that most receivers would not get in my opinion. And, and 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 when and when and when he threw the ball up there and Calvin saw that the DB did not have his head turned and he sticks his arm around the guy's waist and he kind of wiggles his fingers like I'm trying to get it I'm trying to get it. I mean, he should have won an Emmy for that. Tom, and, and and most wide receivers aren't going to do that, man. No, was that the most basketball play you've seen by a wide receiver? Was that the was that the the guard getting the getting the jump fake, getting the defender in the air, and just leaning into him? That to me, that read basketball all the way. And that was absolutely, you know, if you line up ten wide receivers, I think two or three might have the savviness to do that. Yep, but that was huge, man. Because if they call that incomplete and we're at the 31, now we're lining up for a 48-yard field goal with a tie football game. And 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 granted, at the time, we go on to miss a field goal, which we didn't anticipate was going to happen. But I just think that was a key player in, that, in the game because, you know, just for him to put us in that position, you know, to where we could keep the drive alive, I just thought that was a big play. Yeah, I think I think the ratio of you know sort of big play, and then the recognition that it gets, I don't know that it gets any bigger than that. The disproportionality between the value that that play contributed and then just the 
you just forget about it because it's not a it's not a big catch. It's not one of his catches, or it's not Smitty's catch, or it's not Damian's run, and so you just kind of forget it. But that's one of that's one of the biggest plays. I mean, it might to your point, it might be as big as any of the others. Right, uh, but people don't think about it, it because they miss the field goal. So like, oh, yeah. it wasn't anything. Right, but and that's fair too. But in terms of the savvy there. I just thought, yeah, Cal just leaned right into him like a shooter would do in basketball. I just thought that was beautiful. Uh, but that was yeah. that was awesome, and and I also want to I wa- also want to talk about Josh Jacobs just for a quick minute because I did think it was interesting. You were talking about how well he was running there uh, in the fourth quarter, right before right before Bo came in to get his three uh, big carries that we spoke about. Josh had been in on the drive before that. And Josh had had, you know, a seven-yard carry and a 13-yard carry. And then he got pulled out after that. And the reason I think he got pulled out after that is because um, his pass blocking is is quite not, is, is not quite where it needs to be yet, okay? He had been in the game earlier on his other couple runs, and on a pass blocking situation, he was on the left side of, of uh, Jalen, and he goes over to the right side and leaves Jalen unprotected, and Jalen has nowhere to run, and he gets sacked. And unfortunately, Josh's pass protection is not quite where Damian, you know, is at this point. Right. Um, but I thought it was interesting that they fed Josh at the beginning of the fourth quarter. You know, this is Josh's series to get a few runs, and then the next series, this is Bo's to get a few runs. I just thought it was interesting they came with both of those guys kind of back to back like that. And yeah. they both they both looked very effective. No, they really did. And 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 you know, and again, I I'll throw Damien in there too. I mean, he obviously, you know, was effective as well. And so all of them were. And I'm glad, you know, we've got sort of different personalities in there and different backs, and they can all uh, you know, be productive and and they give the defense different things to think about. But I would have loved to have seen them all had, you know, five more carries, right? If sure. they had five more carries, right? Uh, and again, Tom and that, some of that goes back to time of possession, and 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 I understand that it's hard to sort of manufacture that. But uh, uh, you know, but had they not consumed so much clock in the game, early in the game, and you could sort of you know like pull back time, right? And then so if if the third quarter, if the fourth quarter was midway through the third, right, then there would have been more carries. And this is part of the masterful game plan that they had, right? Had there been that more time we would have continued to pound the ball and we would have worn them out and we would have won by, you know, a greater margin at the end because we would have just worn them out. They would have run out of time, but they executed their plan so well in the first quarter. And actually one of the things I want to talk about is they executed their plan so well in the first half, because like you said, limited it us to, to seven minutes of possession. And it's, it's the things that happen early in a game, you almost forget about them in the context of how the game unfolds. But if you think about seven minutes in the eight minutes, whatever it was in the first half, and that was sort of a master stroke of their plan. And they almost pulled it off at the end. Well, think about the very first possession of the game. We had them three and out and we get a stupid penalty on uh, special teams and they and they trot back out there and they keep possession of the ball. And so what would have been a three and out, you know, they get they get several more plays, several more. And doing 11 plays on that drive. 11 play, there you go, 11 on that drive. That would have been a three and out. And so what that did is a couple of things. And it's like, you know, it's like a Goldberg machine, right, 
where uh, a rule Goldberg machine where you know it's the little wheels in motion now that sort of manifest the manifest at a different place in the game and so they had 11 11 plays there significant time of best possession right off the bat which sort of contributes to what we're talking about it also set the tone for field position and we'll talk about special teams but we struggled flipping the field and right there at the beginning of the game where we would have had them backed up or we we had them backed up we would have gotten really good field position and then you know if the offense was effective as it was we would have you know performed well scored uh and maybe we lead three or seven to nothing as opposed to the way it the way it spun out as a result of that. And we were behind the, we were behind the clock and we were behind field position all day long. And it's rare that one possession or one sort of moment in the game has such a ripple effect. But I, I think this did, I think this is one of those bizarro games that when they slow it down the way they did, everything is magnified. That first possession I think was, was just magnified in this game. Well, no, it was. And on that drive, man, they went 11 plays, but they only went 34 yards. Okay. But they went six minutes and eight seconds. Well, guess what? After that 15 yard penalty, okay, they put them back on the field. When the drive was over, uh, their punter only punted at 36 yards, but it was down at our five yard right. line. So, to your point, we're starting at the five. They've had the ball for six minutes to start the game. We go three and out because of our lovely field position, only have the ball for two minutes. They get the ball back, and to your point, they are able to uh, then put points on the board, and now they're up seven to nothing, and, and we're kind of behind the sticks again. Right, right. And and on that second possession, you know, they're starting with, you know, with good field position, and it almost sort of boggles the mind. How did they have the ball so long to start the game, so many plays to start the game, and they gained so few yards? It's almost like a Rubik's Cube. You can only do it one way, and they did it that one way. Oh, absolutely, man. When they got that second drive, I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better, right? Because they didn't get points. They pin us at the five. They start off at their 43-yard line on that next drive, and they score a touchdown. Right because they had a short field, right? And um, so that was, you know, that was that was huge as far as, you know, how things fell. And like you said, that's another thing people won't think about is, you know, because we proceeded to have two three and outs and our first, you know, two of our first three drives were three and outs where we only had the ball for two minutes. And that's part of your problem, you know, with your time of possession right there. I want to talk a minute about uh, Pierce Walker you know, uh, I had to go back and, and and look several times to find out exactly where uh, he left the game. Early. Um, and he left after the third play yep. of the game and um, where, where Jalen Hurts was, was sacked um, uh, on third and four. And so, you know, at that point, he doesn't come back into the game. And next thing you know, you know, next man up and, you know, next man up, is, you know, Hassenauer, who obviously started off, you know, as a center, um, you know, enlisted on the depth chart, you know, too deep as a center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was interesting. He's the one that got called instead of Josh Kasher, um, who's listed behind Ross. But with the exception of a couple blown assignments on a couple pass plays, uh, I thought Hassenauer played well. 
I, I thought I, I was very happy for him. I thought I went back and watched several different plays, especially on the running game, where he dominated in a man-to-man situation uh, on his uh, nose guard uh, that he was lined up against, and uh, I thought he played pretty well. Yeah, he acquitted himself quite well, and and he he's a guy that hasn't played a whole lot, and and he has come in in the past, and I think you know earlier in his career. Uh, he came in for for Ryan Kelly, and it's it's no knock, you know, the drop off from from Ryan Kelly to, to Hassenauer at the time was was, was bigger, significant, yeah. right? It was a, it was sort of a big deal, and so there there was some thought: is you know, is he going to continue to be the backup center? And and he kind of always has been, but you know, the backup center, right? I think there was some thought that he was going to be the starting center when Kelly left, and you know, Bozeman sort of moved over and and uh, and whatnot. But he's a guy that that neither of us, and if you sort of polled uh, fans, I don't know, I don't know, you would get, you would list a lot of names before you might think that Hassenauer is going to step in at that, uh, at that guard position. I would have thought some, some configuration with, you know, and he's almost just start listing names, you know, Dallas Womack is, is he going to get, you know, a shot there? Uh, are we going to do something with Alex Leatherwood? Uh, are we going to do something with Jedrick Wills? You start thinking of guys that are, you know, second team. Have more cachet. Yeah. yeah, they're second team at at sort of higher profile positions, if you will. And then th- and th- enough so that you would suggest that, well, they're really our sixth best lineman. And what we're looking for is our next best lineman to step in. And so you wouldn't have thought that, that Hassenauer would have been that guy. But hats off to him because he performed very well, and and he, he played the whole game against a really played, good defense. Played the whole game, probably expecting not to play at all, which that sort of by itself, from a mental makeup, is is worthy of something. And he graded out in uh, Pro Football Focus. They evaluate college as well, and he was graded as one of the top five or six performers for the game on Alabama's team. Awesome. So how are no, they doing metrics surprise. and sort of level across positions? He was rated as one of the top five or six performers for the entire squad, both sides of the ball. For a guy that wasn't expecting to play, that's pretty darn good. No, that is. And and for them to be able to to put him out there and and pull Ross, because you know, we're gonna need Ross to get healthy for, you know, games that lie yep. ahead. Uh that was a big deal. Yeah. Hey, let me I I got one more thing I want to hit. And I and and I almost like I want to pull on my uh, uh, I want to put on my jerky uh, NFL scout hat right, and so you, you know and if as a college football fan you watch you watch these guys for years about what they can do and then when you read all the scouting reports from the NFL all you hear is about stuff that they can't do, and so I want I want to put on my NFL my jerky NFL scout hat, and uh, I just want to ask the question. If Calvin Ridley minded his feet just a little bit better, could could he not have scored at least two touchdowns? Yeah, he. Uh, you know that also didn't help your time of possession when you know two of his passes early in the game for you know, they both go for over sixty yards. Uh, yeah. That kind of screwed up your time of possession a little bit as well. But yes, um, the 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 second one down to the one yard line that was very frustrating because I'm sure more so for him than me watching. It seems like he just over, uh, overjudged, you know, how much he needed to compensate to the sideline there, and and didn't allow room to to get in the pile in there. He definitely had had a couple plays. He he could have he could have had a couple 
scores at the end of all of that effort. Yes. Um, you know, if things could have gone his way. I, I think two, I think there were two. The second one, I think, even surprised him because I think he thought that he was in there. And I think if he sort of minded the store a little bit better, he he would have been. Uh, you know, the first one, I think, I, I think with a little a little more thoughtfulness of, about what he was doing and where he was putting his feet, he could have gotten in. And then he had a catch and he actually caught the ball uh, and, it, and he had his feet inbounds, caught the ball, fantastic catch, but he, what he had stepped out of bounds and stepped back in without reestablishing himself. And so he could not, you know, touch the ball. Um, and that's another, that's another big possession that he would have had had he minded his feet and not stepped uh, not stepped out of bounds. Those are eminently correctable. I'm not mad at the guy, but you know, those are things to point out too, right? And and I sure. think about one of my favorites is Kevin Norwood, right? He always knew where his feet were, and they and they were always in bounds. Uh, no, and, that's true. Yeah. No, that's true. And and sometimes Calvin probably just he he he. I don't want to say gets carried away in 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 the moves that he's doing. Uh, because he made a really good cutback on that first 63-yard yeah. oh, yeah. uh, run uh, to even get himself open to go down the sideline, um, which was awesome. But I do, I do agree that you know when he's watching the tape, you know he'll he'll notice some of these things. Yeah, um, can clean some of that up. I, I want to mention I want to mention Devonta Smith um, for a quick second, just because I thought it was huge. You know, he's been the he's been the guy that we talked about was getting a lot of, you know, opportunities because of his his great pass, uh, excuse me, his great run blocking. Um, no offense, but you know, he hasn't been the highlight reel that Jerry Judy and Ruggs has been, right? Of the right. of the trio of the three freshmen, you know, they've gotten more uh highlights than he has so far. Uh, although he did get, you know, a touchdown earlier in the season. Um, but you know, for him to be in the game at the end of the game and get his number called on that go ahead touchdown, I was just really happy for the kid, man. I mean, that that's a he 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 puts in an awful lot of work and an awful lot of plays to be physical and to block. The roster has him at six foot one and 165 pounds. That has to be wrong. The kid's got to be a little bigger than that because he's blocking the crap out of these cornerbacks who I know are a little bit bigger than 165 pounds. Right. But I'm just, I'm really happy for the kid that he gets that moment that he earned to be on the field in that moment because of all the run blocking he does and doing all the dirty stuff. So I'm just, I'm just happy for the guy. Yeah, I think uh, I, I completely agree, and and I think there's a lot of confidence, obviously, that the coaching staff has in him to put him in that position. And you know, it's easy to think about we're going to put Cal there and we're going to run that with that with with Cal, but you don't get the same defensive look with Cal, and and so you get a little bit of orchestrating the look or trying to trying to get the look you want for the play that you want based on who the person running the route is. And so isn't it isn't it isn't it something if 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 you were to list out, you know, our leading receivers and and how they're sort of maybe viewed, you know, you would get to Cal and you would get to Judy and you would get the rugs and you would get the Sims and you might get the Foster deep breath and then you might get the Smitty, right? And uh, but he's just as talented as any of them. 
and he was able to run that route and make that grab. And it's and it's just it, it. And look, this was an offensive. This was not an offensive explosive game, but that doesn't mean you can't still do really smart things. And a really smart thing is to say we've got this guy that's as talented as the six guys ahead of him, but he's not going to draw the same coverage. We're going to put him out there in that play, and we're going to and we're going to pitch the ball out there and let him make a play to try to win this game. But but there's 30 seconds left in the game, man. You don't have a lot of time if it goes wrong. And so the fact that he was out there instead of Foster or Cam Sims, that's very interesting to me. Or to your point, the fact that he was out there instead of the five guys ahead of him, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I just wish I was a fly on the wall to know. I, I just wish I had a headset on, you know, on my head when that was being called, I just would like to know, was all of that intentional like that? I guess that's why I'm bringing it up, is how you just laid it out. I just would love to know, was that intentionally laid out that way? Because if so, that makes it even cooler. No, well, yeah, it does. I think it has to, right? And sort of here's my treaties on that, right? I think that it's, it's one thing to sit and watch a game and it's all sort of happening, you know, before you and you get in a situation like that and you say, oh, my gosh, what do you do in this situation? What do you do in this situation? I don't know. What do you do in this situation? Well, you could do this and you could do this and you could do this. You will you will be cooked and eaten alive as a play caller if if that is what if that's the dialogue in your head. I think those types of decisions are made on Tuesday you know, here's, here's our, here's sort of our menu of play. Here's the game plan that we're going to go into this. Here are the plays that I want to run on third and long. Here are the plays that I want to run on first down. Here are the plays. And so you've got all, you've got this, you've got this menu of plays and then you start to categorize, here's the play and personnel group that I want to run in all of these circumstances. Then, and I'm not trying to say it's easy because this is a lot of work. Then when you get in those situations and sometimes you see, you know, NFL coaches and they've got what looks like a menu in front of them because it's so large. Well, guess what? That's exactly what they do have in front of them. Oh, what's the down and distance? Well, let me go look up down and distance. Here's the plays that I've sort of targeted that I want to run. We're seeing this type of coverage. So-and-so is having a good or bad day, whatever it is. Let's run number three under, under this, under this sort of heading. And so, I think I think we pro- I think there was a meeting early in the week earlier in the week may have been last week right hey we want to try to get Smitty on a slant on you know maybe a key third down against a certain type of coverage with you know Cal on the other side of the field we think we'll be open there and they probably have had that conversation the coaching staff probably have had that conversation well last week ah you know we didn't have the opportunity to run it we didn't get the coverage we wanted whatever it was. But here it was, Mississippi State. Hey, let's dial that one up. We've been talking about it for three weeks now. we got the look that we want. Let's, let's ring this up. This is going to get us a first down, advance the ball, maybe a touchdown if he breaks free. I think those decisions are made days, maybe weeks ahead of time. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're right on a lot of that. And what's interesting about this play is he's only he's had five catches on the year now. Two have been touchdowns. Yeah. So you Well, know, he's no Henry Ruggs, though, right? No, no, but Tua thought Tua threw him a touchdown in the Vandy game. Okay. No, he's, no, I know. You know, but he's sitting here with a very respectable, very respectable twenty-two yards per catch on his five catches for two touchdowns. Yeah. And then Ruggs is sitting there with six catches with a ridiculous five touchdowns 
with an impressive 26 yards per catch. And I point that out because, you know, these two were not the number, you know, these two were not five-star wide receivers coming in, okay? Right. Um, Jerry Judy was. They were still highly regarded. And here they are this far down the depth chart, and look at the productivity that both of these guys are having. Yep. Um, that's just that's just awesome. I mean, that's just, just just everybody in Mississippi State holding those damn annoying cowbells had to think after Calvin Ridley had just caught a 31-yard pass that the next ball was going to Calvin Ridley. Oh, sure, Ridley. right? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's having that weapon on the other side, and it could have been any of – you know, we could name a couple of guys, right? But but having that weapon and maybe the guy that's just not going to get the same coverage. Um, I, 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 just, yeah. I just thought that was – yeah, I just, I just wanted to bring that up for the listeners because I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, I so. agree. I, I would love to see, like – this is a little bit ridiculous, but I'd like to see like a, um, I want to say like a 30 for 30. That's too much. I'd like to see like an article, you know, give me a good six page article on that play right there. And sort of like the history of, you know, when, how the decision was made, when it was made, what, what sort of led it to be called. And, and I think that would be an interesting sort of dissection there. No, absolutely. Hey, I'll also real quick before we do mini game balls, I just wanted to talk about, we talked about this last week about them shrinking the bench um, in some of these games. And so I think the emergence of Joshua Jacobs, I wanted to point out that earlier in the game, Damian was in there for the first series, even though it was short. Um, even though it was only three plays, Damian was only in there for the first series. The second series, Bo came in. Okay, the third series, Joshua Jacobs came in. So for the first time all season, we saw Damien, you're in by yourself. Bo, now you. And Joshua Jacobs, now you. So Joshua Jacobs has earned the right for the first time this season to have his own series in kind of a pecking order, mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of, you know, a nuance we haven't seen. And um, that's why we didn't see Najee Harris. I think the emergence of Joshua Jacobs has now allowed, you know, Najee Harris to take a little bit of a backseat. Yeah, I agree. Not, uh, I, I sort of came to this realization during the game. Um, Najee is my uh, my barometer. <laughs> so it, when it's a close game, he doesn't play. And I'm not knocking on him. It's just it's a it's it's a depth barometer of how deep down our bench are we going to go? Are we playing a short bench or a deep bench? And he's that watermark. Uh, when when he gets in, we're going to play a deeper bench. When he doesn't, we don't. Yeah, but to not play him, such a talented player, right? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. The fact that we didn't, the fact that the fact that we felt like we had three guys ahead of him that we could play before playing him. Yeah, you know, is a really good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I don't. But I, neither of us say that thinking that he shouldn't get an opportunity. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that we are blessed that we have guys who have a little more experience than him. So even though he is playing well, they're able to yeah. they're able to 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 kind of to kind of play it the way they did. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. Give me your uh, mini game ball on offense. So I, I'm not going to go over again why, but I'm going to give a dual mini game ball. Hassenauer first and the true mini game ball for 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 your pleasure um you know he earned it for for all the reasons and by the way his name everybody is jc hassenauer 
and uh, he played a hell of a game. And then Devonta Smith, for the reasons we spoke about as well, not as much of a mini game ball, uh, but probably the third biggest play of the football game. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, those are those are tough to argue. And, and in fact, I've got House an Hour, um, you know, circled as my mini game ball. I, I, um, not a, you know, I think we've covered it. I mean, you know, dude was outstanding, and um, and, and it, it to me, it it's something that, and I know, you know, you you prepare to play and you prepare like you're a starter, and I know those are the things you say. That's so hard to do, um, and he did it. And I think I think that is a tribute to his you know his character, in addition to his ability. So uh, you know, hats off to to JC. Absolutely. Well, flip the field of defense, man. Um, mm-hmm. What do you what do we want to talk about on defense? Um, you know, first of all, I want to talk about the bench being shrunk again um, because uh, it's interesting to me who played in such a tight game. Um, and I think that that's interesting because, you know, these guys got tired, uh, because of how much they had been playing, you know, it, it was, it was predominantly, you know, Deshaun Hand, Deron Payne, Raquan Davis, Isaiah Bugs, uh, and then Quinnen Williams. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was it. We didn't see Josh Frazier. We didn't see LeBron Ray. We didn't see Johnny Dwight. Um, and so, you know, Quinnen Williams got to play a little bit there toward the end of the game. So earlier in the game, we were we were playing four guys predominantly, and um, you know, and three of those guys were in at all times, mm-hmm. and so Deron Payne and Raquan Davis and Isaiah Bugs, because you know Deshaun Hand is still on a pitch count, those three guys played a hell of a lot of minutes, and they didn't make every play, uh, and I know the announcers wanted to talk about how well Mississippi State was running the ball. Our defensive line is a two-gap technique, and they are supposed to hold the point of attack. Mm-hmm. They are not trying to make plays in the backfield. They're just supposed to let the linebackers stay clean and do what they need to do. Well, guess what? I disagree with damn Greg McElroy and whoever the hell the other guy's name is. I think they did their job. I think they held their point of attack um, against big-ass linemen, and I think they played well considering they had to play a lot of minutes. Uh, I think it's the linebackers specifically. Okay, we'll, we'll break the linebackers down in a minute, but I don't think the defensive line was the issue here. I'll say it that way. Yeah, <clears throat> I I agree with you, and I think the way that, that you set that up is is spot on. Um, I think I think I saw Frazier in there once. I think I did see Quinnen a little bit earlier. And and LeBron Ray was in there as well, but but none of that disputes what you said. We did play a shorter bench across the defensive front. Now, one thing that's interesting to me, when you look at the time of possession, it's a little bit misleading when you think of. And I don't have a snap count. I wish I wish I'd researched the snap count to have available, but they ate so much time. I mean, they, you know, like you said, they started the game. It took them six minutes to run 11 plays, right? They weren't running a fastball offense. They were intentionally slowing things down. And so our defense, as much as I would have liked to have gotten them off the field, the number of minutes, the 40 minutes, and I'm rounding a little bit, the 40 minutes that they had the ball was not the same 40 minutes that it would be for somebody else because the way they were intentionally slowing things down, they weren't running play after play after play after play. 
there were some lulls. Now, you want the defense off the field, I get it, but it wasn't the same thing, and I think that's important uh, when we start breaking down the performance. I also think you're spot on. Uh, now, I will give Mississippi State some credit. I think they've got a really big, a really talented offensive line, maybe one of the better ones we'll see this year. I think that's a fair statement. And so I think they did get some push on the defense. I think that's a fair statement. But I also think that when – this is a bad example, I guess, but when your job is to hold open the door for someone else to come close it and that person is not there to sort of close it, then you look bad for holding open the door. Uh, and that's sort of, sort of a really bad analogy when we're talking about closing down running lanes. But, but you know, you're, you're, you're right. In two gaps, their job – is to hold up the defensive or the offensive linemen so that the linebackers can pick off the holes. And when they're when they're holding up like that they're supposed to do, but the linebackers are not there, then it would be easy to say they look bad or they they have underperformed. Um, and I, I I am landing with you on that. I think that's the right analysis of what happened. Well, and if you look at this offensive line you know, across Mississippi State, left to right, 305, 305, 308, 315, and 333. I mean, these were some big boys. Yeah. Okay? And, and, and they caught us at a good time due to the injuries to the linebacker position. And so I want to talk about this for a minute. We talked about some of this for a few weeks ago. But when, when we had the injuries early in the season in the Florida State opener, to the guys that are now, you know, gone for the year. And then we proceeded to lose Rashawn Evans, who was banged up, and Anthony Jennings. Mm -hmm. The games that we had coming up, we were able to play the Chris Allens of the world and the Mika Browns and the Joshua McMillans, or the coaches felt comfortable doing that. And Holcomb. And Jamie Mosley got, you know, more time to play, and, and all of that was fine. And Keith Holcomb had games where he had eight and nine tackles and led the team, blah, blah, blah. But last year when Sean Deion Hamilton got hurt and Rashawn Evans was asked to step in, he had Reuben Foster beside him. And so Rashawn Evans came in with a guy who could call the defense, who had been watching Reggie Ragland do it for two years, Reuben Foster, when he became a senior, knew that playbook the best I've ever seen him know it. Mm -hmm. And so Rashawn Evans still didn't have to think. He could still just go fly around. Well, now Rashawn Evans is in a different situation. And now losing Sean Deion Hamilton is a much bigger deal than it was a year ago. And the bye week um, or, or – now the cumulative losses of putting Sean Deion Hamilton like the icing on the cake, you saw the crack in the in the wall. You saw the crack in the armor. And so as you look at this depth chart, you know, you didn't see Mika Brown. You didn't see Joshua McMillan. You didn't see Chris Allen come in for Anthony Jennings. Anthony Jennings played a shitload of plays. He did not come out hardly ever. You saw Dylan Moses. They tried to run him out there for Keith Holcomb, and he really wasn't sure where he was supposed to be, so he came back out of the game. And so I was sitting there at halftime saying, well, why is Keith Holcomb still in there? Why aren't they giving someone else some run on first and second down? 
Well, obviously, they felt like they could only run out there who they could run out there. And so in the formation they were running, it was Anthony Jennings and Keith Holcomb and Rashawn Evans, and they played 85 88% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. And that was just a matchup from hell against that Mississippi State offensive line. Yeah, it it really was. And it, it does become a numbers, you know, an, a, a point of a numbers attrition because, you know, as much as I didn't want us to lose, you know, Sean Deion Hamilton last year, it was one guy. Um, and we're down four. And – that's t- you know that's tough to recover because we could we could use all of them we could use any of them and and Hamilton I agree is um, now I wouldn't want to lose Rashad Evans and so I don't know Rashad Evans and so I don't know so I, you know who I would swap out with them necessarily but um, you know of what we had left you know SDH was at the top of the list of what we could not afford to lose. Correct. From, from the Correct. position. And that, that was like that was like the breaking point. Yeah. Losing him was the breaking point. We were able to absorb the other ones, but this was a chink in the armor. Yes. And 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 I don't think the coaches are comfortable with Dylan Moses in there and Chris Allen in there and McMillan and Brown. And and see, here's the other thing I, w- I want to point out too is when Rashawn Evans came back and and Keith Ol- and Keith Holcomb was no longer playing on first and second down when Rashawn got well, Keith started playing on third and long. And Keith looked really good, David, on third and eight and third and nine. Well, guess what? Third and eight or third and 10 or third and 15 against a team takes a different player than first and 10 and second sure. and five. Sure. sure. And so to be fair to Keith Holcomb, this just wasn't his matchup against this physical team who's always been physical with the run putting this was not a situation Keith I think Keith tried as hard as he could but yeah. I think that this was not a good matchup and a good team due to the injuries there's a reason Keith was coming in on third down right. passing situations is the way I'm going to say it no I th- this yeah. was a tough situation for for that I think you're right and and I, and I think you know, and and I wish, I wish you know we'd had the foresight to to think about this. You know, previously, you know, we did talk about you know Keith came in and sort of stepped up, and he did it against Fresno State and Colorado State. State, we did talk about that, and we did say that hey, he's demonstrated a capability, but he's got to do it at a higher level. And we did talk about that. But one of the things that we didn't talk about was was at Colorado State when we had five linebackers out for that game because we had. You know the the guys that were injured, and then and then guys that got injured. You know during the game, and and Rashawn was still out, and uh, Dylan Moses missed that game, and and drawn a blank. Anthony Jennings uh, was out for that game, plus you know plus the other two. So we were down five linebackers in that game. And is it any coincidence that they scored twenty four points? Uh, I, I think it was twenty four. I have to go back and look. Uh, was it? Any yeah, they scored. Tw- yeah, they scored twenty three points. Close enough. Yeah, yes. There you go. So, so was it any coincidence that they had that level of success when we were down five linebackers? Well, okay, now we're down four, and we are playing a higher level of opponent. So, is it any? You know, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Is it any stretch? Is it any surprise that opponents are going to have similar success? Uh, and it turns out the answer is no. It shouldn't be a surprise at all. 
which is you know which is concerning, and we can talk about that. I, I think in a minute, I want to throw a question at you, but but uh, how, how, so how do we fix it? What do, what do we do? Well, the other problem that the the other the other nuance here is when you look at the inside linebacker depth chart, it was Sean Deion Hamilton, Rashawn Evans, and then Keith Holcomb and uh, uh, Mac Wilson. And so, you know, Mac had surgery, you know, right after the LSU game, and he's expected to come back in a few weeks. But I think Mac had earned the trust yes. of being in there some on first and second down. Yes. And and I don't think Moses has yet. Nope. Um, it's a hard defense to learn. And so Mac Wilson is a second year player. Moses is a first year player. I think, I mean, we, we were in a really bad pickle there because I think if Mac Wilson would have been healthy, you would have seen Mac Wilson spell Keith, you know, Keith some, mm-hmm. right? And it would have looked differently. But when two of your four inside linebackers are gone, you know, all you got left is two. And so, you know, they we just caught the worst team we could catch at a really bad time. Yep. Uh, unfortunately. And so, and so I thought in, I thought at the second half, you would see them try Moses again. I thought you would see them try some other guys inside and just give them a go. Uh, but they weren't comfortable doing that. And so they, they just, they just didn't do it. You know, Ben, uh, Ben is, uh, not wearing a scout Jersey again. Uh, but he is lining up with the outside guys, uh, which, you know, I would have thought they would have tried to move him back inside. Uh, but, you know, just like in the bye week, they're they're using him at the outside. I think they're trying to give some uh, – they're trying to also give some depth to Anthony Jennings, right? Because mm-hmm. Anthony Jennings got hurt, right? And and he's back from injury, and, and you don't want him to get hurt again. Right. And he played a lot of plays. Um, and so, and you also saw, uh, you also saw them bring in Vandarius Cowan a couple plays yep. and he screwed up and, and Saban almost broke his headset. Okay. And they, they let Nick Fitzgerald scramble on third and 10 yep. because, you know, Vandarius didn't keep containment and he ran for a first down. And it reminded me of Cam Newton with the guy whose name I'm not thinking of, you know, the backup linebacker then. It was deja vu all over again. Yep. It was the same damn side of the field. Shut the edge, shut the edge, shut the yes. edge. Yes. So, so when they tried to sneak another guy in, it, it, it didn't go well. I would like, it, you know, if, if they were asking me my opinion of this, I'd like them to – I hope we see they give Chris Allen some more run. I'd, I'd li- I would have liked to see Chris Allen get some more opportunities, you know, to get opportunities in this game. Mm-hmm. So I'd like them to bring Chris in – uh, and work him in in this next ball game against Mercer, getting some more snaps, and then try to insert him some in the Auburn game to to give you know to spell Jennings a little bit, yeah. and then you know same thing with Moses. They're just going to have to try to to throw Moses into the fire and uh, and put him out there, and they're going to okay Moses's athleticism and his physicality will make up for some miscues. But the biggest thing for Saban is, you know, is the fits, right? Yes. It's all about the fits. And when you screw up the fits, that pisses him off. Yep. So if you don't know where you're supposed to be, it doesn't matter your athleticism. He's yep. not going to play you. 
So, so I, I think we see Moses and, and Alan get some opportunities. Um, and then I also see David, I, I see maybe we go more to a dime and I see we put, you know, uh, Ronnie Harrison in the box next to Rashawn Evans. I, I think we might see that if the other experiment doesn't work. Yeah, I think we've got more than one plan on this, but I think our plan is something different than, and, you know, and if you were just a, you know, talk, talk to someone at a bar, then they would just prattle off a lot of names and say, you know, put someone in there until they prove they can do it. That's not our plan. That's throwing spaghetti against the wall. I think, I think our plan, um, and, and I'm not in meetings room, we, we don't know this, but I, I think, I think our plan, I, I think we kind of have, you know, two sort of two layers of plan. And I think one of them is Dylan Moses and we're going to coach the heck him up this next week. He's going to get as many reps as he can possibly get, uh, you know, against Mercer he might get fifty. He might get. He might get forty, fifty snaps in that game. Yeah, and 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 we're gonna coach him up, and coaches. You know, Saban's gonna try not to get mad because we're trying to, you know, sort of massage him along. But we're gonna give him as many looks and as many reps as he. And he's gonna sit in so much film over the next couple of weeks. And uh, and and we're either we're gonna ride or die with what he can do. Uh, I think there's a version of that exact same plan that in, involves, uh, you know, uh, Vandarius uh, Cowan. And so, you know, that may be plan 1A and, and 1B. And and I think Moses is going to be ahead of Vandarius just because how long, you know, he's been on the field. And I think there's another plan that is, is to your point, borrows from another personnel grouping. And, and that's where we, you know, potentially go heavy, you know, a lot more dime. And, and that, you know, we need to mind Mika on that one. But uh, but I think we've got at least, you know, different bodies that we could put out there. And then if that allows us to put Ronnie, you know, more in the box, then, um, yeah, then I think that helps us a little bit. So I think we try to work around it. I think that we're at a point where we have got to sort of duct tape and bailing wire what we have. And if that's a lot of extra – air quotes, voluntary film study <laughs> to prepare some of these guys, then, then that's what it's going to be because the whole sort of next man thing, uh, next man up. I don't, I don't know that we have one. I think we've got to build one. Well, and, and to your point, right? Not only did we lose Sean Dion Hamilton, but we lose Mac Wilson as well. And, and, you know, we've now lost two outside and two inside and, you know, Mac had surgery the next day or, or that night. And so I hope we see him again, but I don't know that we will, you know, before, before the end of the season. I don't know that we will either. There's, um, there had been some articles, you know, speculating that, that he could come back at some point. Uh, there's some articles speculating that, uh, you know, Terrell Lewis could come back. Uh, you know, Christian uh, Miller could come back. Um, and those are sort of nebulous. They could come back. What does that mean? you know, the players would lose, at least two of those players would lose, you know, the opportunity for a red shirt. You know, how do you sort of metric that the competitor would want to come out and play? Um, I think if you're thinking about, um, and and I'm not projecting, I'm just saying, I'm just talking calendar. If you're thinking about a bowl game or a playoff game, then – there's a greater likelihood that they could come back because that's still two months from now. That's still a month and a half from now. Uh, if you're talking the Auburn game, that's a different animal because that's two weeks. It's a week and a half, whatever that is, right? 
And so could they come back? You know, yeah, but it's so conditional. It's so dependent upon the time factors. They're not going to be back for Mercer. And the odds that they're back for Auburn is slim. And it's only marginal better that they would be back for the SEC championship. Um, but then when you insert a three-week break, well, then you can start to say there's a greater likelihood of this happening. So I, I, I don't think we can count on it. But I'll take any of them that can come in and take and and you know and take ten snaps, right? I mean, I'll take any any sort of ten snap contributor of that caliber that we can get. No, that's just true. And you know, games like this where we have twenty one minutes time of possession, this is also going to put more pressure on the offense to to flip that time of possession and keep the defense off the field as much as they possibly can. Well, and that's an interesting point too, right? There has to be some level of plan that says we got to possess the ball. And how, how do we mask up not, you know, running out of linebackers? It's, you know, keeping a defense on the bench. No, absolutely. Well, who's your uh, – uh, oh, and by the way, real quick, you know, Mika, um, Mika wasn't at practice today. Uh, I think Mika got banged up on that key third and eight play at the end of the ball game. Uh, where he tackled uh, the you know the uh, the wide receiver you know out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, he he kind of hobbled after that play. So kudos to him, um, you know, in his situation to to make a key play there to to stop him. Um, you know, hopefully hopefully he won't see the field in this game. He doesn't need to. Yeah. Uh, we we need him to rest up for Auburn, and uh, this needs to be an opportunity. Uh, for the Xavier McKinney's and the Dante Thompsons of the world to to get more play and the and the Carters to get more play in time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, who you got? Mini who's game your ball? mini? Who's your mini game ball? I'll let you go first. Who's your Who's your mini game ball? You know, you're going to have a really, really intelligent one I, I, this time. You know, maybe for the first time. I have an intelligent one all the time, man. What the hell oh, are you talking about? No, I was going to say, especially this time, maybe the first time. Because I, I look at it, and I don't know that I have one. Um, I mean, I think the cornerbacks played well. Um, I think, you know, I think Quinnen was in there. I think he, you know, sucked up some snaps. I like that he's contributing, you know, more and more. Um, I don't know that I have a mini game ball for this game. And I, and as much as I hate to say that, I, I can't talk myself out of that position. So I'm, I'm going to sort of fold. I'll let you give two of them away. So you have nobody that you can give it to for this one, huh? That's all right. Well, you're going to come up with some good ones, and I'm going to agree with every one of them, and I'm going to wish I thought of one of them. So why don't you just why don't you toss it? Why don't you give away a couple of them? Well, these these are not going to be these are not going to be many. Okay, well, Quentin Williams is a given because the boy had you know four tackles and one tackle for loss um, okay. on the game, and so we have to give that in the in the the spirit of mini game balls. Um, but besides that, um, for all the reasons that we mentioned for the shortening of the bench and the injury situation, um, he's not many game ball worthy cause he's, cause he's a key player on this team, but I'm going to give it to Rashawn Evans. Who's, you know, coming back from a groin injury and who is in a difficult situation against a team like Mississippi state without his comrade, Sean Dion Hamilton next to him. And he just comes in there and has nine tackles and a sack, two tackles for a loss, um, and plays a hell of a game. And um, I'm also going to give a nod to to Raquan Davis, who has obviously you know had some stats before, 
but he's never had a game where he had nine solo tackles. No, that's um, fair, and, and 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 that's a that's a big stat sheet for him. No, I agree, and I don't I don't mean that to, to say that we didn't have guys to perform because I don't sure. think that's true. You know, I mean they they had three hundred thirty yards, but they only had three hundred thirty yards, right? And you know they had one hundred seventy two yards rushing, but which you know that's more than double what we like to see. You know, teams get, but that's yeah, not but all see, bad either. Yeah, so I'm not suggesting of, we had a bad. Yeah, but that, yeah, man, but sorry to interrupt you, man, but that's because the quarterback had 21 carries for 66 yards. Right. He only averaged three yards a carry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. that that padded the stat sheet a little bit as he carried the ball 21 times. And and so to your point, granted they had 172-yard rushes, uh, yards, but that was on 49 carries. Right. They didn't Your average was not – yeah. averaged three and a half yards a carry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to – you know, you're going to drive a nail into a piece of wood if you hit it enough times, right? And that's – you know, I mean, the way I should have said this at the start of the defensive side of the ball is they knew we had injuries in our front seven. So they said, we're going to pound the ball as many times as we can. And oh, by the way, we got to do it 49 times with our offensive linemen, whose smallest one weighs 305 pounds. Mm-hmm. And we're going to beat at you 49 times in the football game. So I think considering – I think the defense held up well considering that they had a short bench, had no subs. I mean, literally, we played the front seven with like eight guys. That was it. So I, I think under the circumstances, you know, they they held up they held up well. Can they did the best they could in the situation they were in. They looked to the bench and said, Hey, they tapped themselves on the helmet and said, Hey, I want to come out. Coach Saban looks at them and says, Sorry, I don't have anybody. Yep. Stay out there. No, so. stores stores closed. I will say, and and I hesitate to word, use the word lock because, you know, I think the you know the coverage was there, and I think we were affecting the quarterback. But they did miss on some play action, and and some of that was bad passing, bad passes. I I, I think that I I think if he had another heartbeat, and and I'll call it affecting the quarterback, you know, versus luck. But if he had another heartbeat to sort of settle himself and make some of those throws. It's a different outcome, man. Oh, sure. No, I'm with you. Um, I'm um tell me uh let's 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 flip it to special teams here. I, I want to first talk about the the roughing the punter that they called on Dante Thompson. I went back and watched that several times as well. Dude, that was that was the poster child for ticky tack. I'm sorry. They the the announcers got it wrong. The announcers said it was the guy that was flying over the the pat, you know, the the blockers, you know, that jumped over the blocker. Mm-hmm. He didn't touch the punter when he landed. Uh, they had to call it on Thompson. I, I think that was a home, some home cooking there. Well, sorry to call it that, but dude, he the the punter swiveled around and the front of his toe touched the guy's thigh, and, and they called it roughing the punter. I think well, that was it, a little bit. But much. here's the thing, though. Here, here's here's the thing, and and I watched the the Auburn Georgia game just before ours. And and I've only seen this penalty called. I think it's, it's it's a new penalty this season. I've only seen it twice in my life, and it happened in back to back games. Um, it, and it's not roughing the punter. It's not even hitting the punter, but it's jumping over the uh, the the blockers up front. And so when you jump up, and then they can take it. And it's a penalty. It's a it's a rule designed to protect the player that's executing the play. It's not to protect anything else. And so when he jumps up into uh, the blockers and he gets his feet taken out from under him, then he can sort of topple and land on his head and, you know, whatever. And so it's all about taking that sort of 
dangerous, potentially dangerous play out of the game. And so it was for the jump. It wasn't for hitting the the punter. And that and and that's frustrating because you know, for a little bit if the guy's gonna do it and he's the only one that's, you know, then you know, sort of let it ride. But at the same time, I get you know, I, we do want to protect players where we can. Uh, it, it was just frustrating, and then it was just annoying that why would we why would we do that? Uh, and then it was funny to see in the subsequent punts, and they didn't they didn't and and that one was called back, so I think they only punted once or once or twice more for the rest of the game. We didn't even go up to the line, and the guys didn't jump. It was a marked uh, you know difference in in how we did that, and. Um, yeah, that that was aggravating because, and we talk about sort of the impact that 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 had on the game. I think this this game is an example, and you can almost you know juxtapose it to last week's uh, LSU game. The value that special teams brings, and a lot of people sort of don't give it the same credence that they should. But you know, special teams is the third, and and I know that's that's kind of cliched, but you know, JK last week against LSU had a career day, and we had LSU on a long field all day long. Well, JK did not have his best day against Mississippi State and he shanked a couple of punts and and had had a lower average. You know, Xavier Marks, you know, he recovered it but he dropped another one. And then and then Andy, you know, God bless Andy, he's been playing so well, but he was one for one. And so you add all those together and and it and it it leeches the efficiency and the effectiveness off of the team's performance. And we needed we were in a game where we needed special teams to contribute, at least hold their own, and they didn't. They 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 stymied from you know the rest of the team, and that's not what we needed. Well, like you said, you know, Andy going one for two in the game, you know, that miss that he did have on the left upright, he it looked to me like his his uh, plant foot, he just it, it slid it slid on him yep. a little bit whenever he went to connect on the ball. And that caused him to pull the ball a little bit. Unfortunately, you know it. It does. It does make you wonder. You know, on that fourth and four play, where we proceeded to go for it, it does make you wonder if that had any influence on why we did what we did. You know, because right. that was the very next series. I mean, do you do you think that that do you think that that played a factor at all in uh, in in why we went forward on fourth and four there? Yeah, I, I do. I think that um, – I think we wanted to probably consume a little more clock, um, and I think we wanted to make it a touchdown game. And then you factor in the kicker just missed one. We can't – we can't <laughs> – we can't lose this game. And, and you know, and, and, and there was a, probably a part of it that says we got a tie score right here. And so um, – you know, enough of these factors sort of line up in such a way that we can take this as a calculated risk. And and by the way, on our play sheet menu, we've got a good one sort of dialed up. I think all of that sort of conspired. I don't think it's a one thing. I think it's these three dots, these six dots, they sort of tell a story. Let's bet on that. Let's bet on that story. I th- that's what I think we did. Okay. Well, um, I will also say that, you know, for, for JK, he did finish, <clears throat> he did finish with a 43, uh, 43 yard average. 
um, you know, what's interesting is, is, is most people would say he didn't have a good day, uh, that he had an off day. Um, but he still, you know, he still, you know, had four punts for 43 yards, uh, had a 52 yarder. Um, but the biggest key is because of the field position, right? He couldn't pin any inside the 20. Yeah. And so what's interesting when you look at the, the, uh, Mississippi state punter, you know, he pinned two inside the 20 and, uh, they, they kind of, to your point, they kind of did to us field position wise, what, what we had done to LSU, you know, in the week before. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I think that's a good point. And I'm, I want to be careful saying, I think JK had a bad game. I just think, you know, coming off his probably career best game, he, he was a little up and down and, I think there are times where we could have used more up from him in this game. Well, like, for example, to be fair, on the first series where we get pinned in at the five-yard line, he punts his first punt of the game from the five-yard line. He punts at 52 yards, and they start at the 43. Well, guess what? Their 43 is not great, but we were at the damn five-yard line. He was punting in his end zone. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, he yeah. kind of did the best he could there. Yeah, that's a that's a tough field to flip, right? I mean, what I mean, well, you know, what the hell are you going to do? And uh, and so to your point, the next time he punts it, he punts at 49 yards, but because we're on our 21 yard line, he can't really flip the field. Right. And so to your point, I think some of this was on the offense for not putting him in a better situation. He had the he had the one punt out of bounds that you know that wasn't great. Um, but I will say that when Leatherwood had, you know, the play he shouldn't have had that yeah. that cost us 15 yards, which we'll just go ahead and mention this in special teams. You got to you don't come on the field with your with your helmet off uh and you have to know that. Um that, you know, on that situation, he's got to line up to kick the ball uh from the 20-yard line. Yeah. And so what was really key about that is I was concerned about their field position at that point. And so, to his credit, you know, he nailed it 62 yards at that point and, and kicked it as deep as he could. And so, thank goodness, they only started at the 40-yard line there. Um, yeah. But, uh, but you know, shame on, shame on Leatherwood, you know, for uh, – I, I don't think he'll ever do that again. No, I don't think he'll do that again. And, and, I, and, and look, he committed a penalty. I'm not asking that the official not throw that flag. I'm just pointing out a discrepancy – and and it and it doesn't have to be a bad thing either, but um, you know we kind of talked on the podcast that you know Alabama could have been flagged when a third of the team went down to celebrate um, Ronnie Clark's touchdown, and there was no flag. And so when when you when you're comparing those apples to apples, you know we're in a in a blowout win because Ronnie Clark scoring a touchdown. It's we're celebrating sort of a personal accomplishment and, you know, sort of a career we like and respect this guy. Um, and, you know, the penalty really wouldn't have mattered. But in this game, when you're celebrating keeping, you know, an undefeated season alive and what that can represent, um, it was a much more costly penalty. And I don't know that I reconcile those two accounts, but I just it's just interesting to see sort of the dichotomy of of how things are called and not called. No, absolutely. Um, and to your point about, you know, Marks, once again, he was the only guy returning punts. 
so does does he have that job? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. But I mean, do you say that is sort of begrudgingly as I do? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I give you the same answer both times. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so Mercer Bears, man. Um, so I first of all, they are they they're the Mercer Bears. Yeah. And and surprisingly, right? I mean. Auburn's trying to copy us again, and they've already they they beat us to the punch, and they've already played them this season. So that's what's interesting, right? They played Mercer earlier in the year, and it was twenty four to ten uh, at Auburn. At Auburn. At Auburn. So not a lot to sort of write home about. And Mercer is, I think, this is their fifth year back playing football after like a seventy eight year. I want to say seventy eight, but um, after a long absence, they uh, they took a lot of time off between games. And so I I find it interesting that a program could, in five years of existence, come come to the point where they are playing Alabama and Auburn in the same season. Yeah, it makes you wonder what's behind the scenes on that one, huh? Well, I mean, they're getting paid, and uh, and and you know when they sort of came back to football. They they made a pretty big. I don't want to say they made a splash. It's not like I've been following them, but uh, but they came in and they came in at a higher level, and they more aggressively came up. You know, come up to you know this level that uh, you know whatever we call them FBS. FB, you know, I think of it as still D two, right? And so um, you know they've progressed pretty aggressively, such that five years in, this is kind of where they are. It is interesting, though, that they would play in Alabama and in Auburn and get them both on the schedule in the same year when a lot of other programs would be dying to, to have that happen. I think the state legislature said, uh, we're going to let the state of Alabama fund your f- athletic program. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I so think what, about that. So, so how do you think this is going to compare to, you know, to the to the 24-10 Auburn score? You know, I think – that was a, that was a different Auburn team, right? Yeah, I you know I want to be careful because I I want to say that this is a game that we're going to name our score, and this is a game that Tua is going to probably score, you know, be responsible for you know multiple touchdowns. And I think you know we talked about Ronnie Clark. I think that you know I think there's I think there's the question at the end of the game: will he or won't he? And so all of that I think happens in this game. And by no stretch of the imagination am I saying that to compare we're a better team than Auburn because we beat Mercer by more points. I, that's the wrong crucible for that evaluation. Correct. Uh, and so I, I, I want to, and so I want to tell, you know, my story of the Mercer game without even thinking about the Auburn game, because, because in, and, and that's sort of what I'm saying is I think it's, I think it is sort of a name, uh, the score from an offense perspective. I think we do experiment may not be the right word, but I, but I do think, we are intentional in trying to get some younger guys reps in situational circumstantial reps on defense. And if that means that Mercer moves the ball between the twenties more than we would like, then that just means it's a tough day in the classroom for a couple of guys. But you know, who was the linebacker a few years ago who we saw it running back in the game like this one? Oh, 
I know exactly who you're talking about, and and uh, and I'm drawing a blank. But you know what I'm talking yeah, about. For the listener standpoint, we, we due to injuries at running back, we took a linebacker who had been a linebacker in college, but a running back in high school, and he got 20 carries in this game that's in between Mississippi State and Auburn every year um, due to that situation. And so to your point, you know, do we do we see – do we see – I mean, do we see Damian and Bo and Josh or, or do we not see much of them and we just see Brian and Najee, like on the offensive side of the ball? You know, do we do we just see the fourth and fifth tailback? Do we see the other guys? Do we see them just for us? You know, does Damian, Bo, and Josh just get one series each and then they're done, or what do we see there? I didn't hear a word you said because I was racking my brain. And Brent Callaway is the player that you're. There you go, Brent Callaway, exactly. And 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 I'm think I'm in the wayback machine now. Did he get all those reps because Kenyon Drake was Drake was suspended for a game? I believe so. Yes, because he was in the doghouse. And he needed to get his head out of his. Yes, that is correct. So he, here, here's what I think about. Here's what I think about Mercer and 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 in this may align. Yeah, in that context. The yeah. Example was and, just and a, so in this oh, may align with what you were saying, or it may not. I don't know. But I I think the starters come out and play. I think we try to get some quick scores. Um, and and then if we can play three quarters with the backups, and to your point that you know that would be a Najee, that would be you know a Brent. Or I'm, I'm not a, I'm a Brian right now. A Brian, uh, you know some of the you know some of the other receivers, and then you know and then maybe coming out of half, we get a second the second line in there, because uh, I think I think we want Tua to get some some snaps in the number one uh, position uh, with the number one uh, team, and then we hope to be the score at, at a place of comfort that we can put backups in the backup line, and then we care less about scoring points in the second half. And that's not to say that, you know, we don't want those guys to experience success. Right. You know, we're done accruing the points that we need to accrue. Do we see Ben Davis in this game? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, and, in fact, uh, I'm going to plug a question we got from a uh, a listener, uh, James, uh, James Going. He's asking, uh, you know, Ben Davis long-term – you know what's is he a long term solution at at uh, at linebacker, and so it's it's a great question, and so I'm going to answer your question and his question, and I and then you know please jump in. If we don't see him this week, then I will wonder if he's going to be on the team next spring. I I'll just say that, uh, and so I think there probably is a chance that he gets in. But he would be the backups to the backups. I don't think we're getting him in to sort of position him to play the balance of the season. Now, that's what I think about Saturday. What do I think about his sort of long term at, at the career? Well, I do think there's an opportunity if he if that he may see right on the wall and he may transfer. I do believe that could be true. But from a career perspective, it's I. I hesitate to say it's too early to tell because there was a point where I thought the same thing about Reggie Ragland. And so I think I think Ben Davis has the opportunity to be Tana Patrick or he could be Reggie Ragland. We just don't know. Uh, Tana, we kept thinking he was going to, you know, become something and he never did. And Reggie, I thought he was going to – I thought he was done and he went on become, you know, a starter in a first-round draft pick. So 
I mean, that's a that's a flowery flowery way of saying I really don't know. And because I could see it go both ways, because we've got the players that we've seen go both ways in that circumstance. Um, I mean, he could parallel either of those two tracks. What do you think about? See, Ben Davis. What do you think? Well, Ben Davis has been getting been getting opportunities, you know, to take off the scout team jersey, and and he's been providing depth on the outside. But when he, you know, in the high school, at the high school level, he was an inside linebacker. Right. That's where we have, you know, the depth issues. And so, you know, I could be totally wrong on this, man, but I'm I'm going to tell you that I think we see Ben Davis at the end of this game brought in at the inside linebacker position. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I just – He's got the size for it. That's what he played in high school. Yeah. Maybe they're starting him on the outside because it's easier, like they did Rashawn Evans, right? To right. work you inside. Um, but I'm just looking at, you know, if Mac's gone for the year and and we're not comfortable with, you know, bringing the other guys inside, then, you know, why not try him when you try Mosley for a little bit? So right. that's just me. Yeah, no, that's fair. I want to be a little bit careful saying he played middle – linebacker in high school and so you know that's what he's best suited for at college a a little bit of it of it is you know the size and athleticism profiles are so different and 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 you think of there are key player there are key positions in high school where you want to put your best best athletes and middle linebacker might be one of them because they have the greater uh opportunity yeah yeah influence both sides of the field where in college you could say look everyone's as talented as you are, you're going to play left outside. Um, No, I'm with you. Because we've got your co-equal playing right outside. No, I'm with you. I just just simply would – I just would like to see – I'd like to see him get an opportunity with Moses uh, to, you know, to to at least give a little run inside is all. Right. So. Let me ask this question. Go Um, ahead. In in – and I told you I was going to ask you a question. This is that question, but I didn't tell you what it was. Um, snapshot in time. You know, we're gonna, I'm not worried about Mercer, but uh, you know, if things if things sort of line up, you know, we've got Auburn obviously, and then we have the potential for Georgia after that. Um, do we win those two games? Hmm. Um. You know, I think right now, if we win the Auburn game, we win the Georgia game. Um, I think it all – I think, unfortunately, it all it, – it's all based on the Auburn game now. And and based on um, – because I think they provide, you know, and we can talk more about this next week, but I think they provide more of a challenge for our depth problems in the front seven – with their offensive game plan and, and how they run the ball and how they use misdirection and, and how they do things. Right. Um, on the one hand, their quarterback doesn't provide the same mobility that that a Nick Fitzgerald does, um, nor does the Georgia quarterback. So the one thing we have going for us is we've got two quarterbacks that aren't going to run the ball very much, and so that plays into our hand a little bit. This Mississippi State team was the perfect damn team to play us at the perfect time because it was a big quarterback who was mobile uh, with a very good offensive line. 
with three, you know, tight ends who are wide receivers who are like 260 pounds. Right. I mean, it was a really bad matchup. And so, coming off LSU. I mean, we talked about yes, tough game after yes. a tough game. Yeah. So so I so I tell you that if Auburn had, you know, their 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 uh, mobile quarterback from a couple years ago right now on this team, yeah. I'd be more nervous about them. Okay. But I'm less nervous because he is a pocket passer. Um, I do think that, you know, a couple more weeks will help these young guys. Um, but obviously I wish we were getting them at home. Um, but yes, if we win that game, I think we went out. I, I think unfortunately the Auburn game could be the toughest game we have on that run. It could ultimately be the national championship. I hate to say that, but we could look back when this is all said and done and say between Auburn, Georgia, the semifinal game and the national championship that Auburn was the toughest game in that four game stretch. Yeah. Well, and, and it could be that there is no four game stretch if we don't win the game, and and sure. quite quite literally, we don't we don't win the SEC um, if we don't win that game. If sure, we don't win that game. So you know, then it would be a function of how close did the game go? What are the other variables that you know potentially could include us in one of the top four? But I don't know that we would get that. I don't know that we would get that nod. Um, I, I think we've got to win our way into it, which I know sounds you know silly. But um, I think if I think that game at that time of year, um, I think we got to win it. And um, so we have a week to, you know, next week, you know, we'll, let's have this conversation more in depth. But, ooh, I can I can, you know, color me nervous on um, some of those games. And, and a lot of it has to do with some of our depth and and injury. And so a week from now, we may have a different perspective on that. So that'll be important to uh, to track out. No, absolutely, man. Well, do we have any more comments from listeners that we needed to uh, touch on today? You know, we don't. We didn't get any uh, uh, any additional uh, reviews. We did get a couple email, uh, you know, conversations. I think uh, I think Doug in Sweden is our our, our now unofficial correspondent. Uh, he dropped us a couple emails talking about the game. Uh, he he uh, enjoyed the fact that we called out uh, Ronnie Harrison Smith and. And uh, spent some time on him, and and shared some other uh, things. And uh, he's planning a trip to to Tuscaloosa in a, in a couple of years out. And so, um, awesome man. That's so great. yeah, so that's cool. And uh, and then we had the question from uh, from James that uh, that we covered. So drop us some emails, uh, Alabama Football Podcast at gmail.com. and uh, we'll take a look at those. We're on Facebook, and uh, certainly head out to. Um, uh, iTunes and drop us some more uh, rating and reviews. Uh, we like to uh, share those, and then obviously they help make us easier to find for uh, fellow uh, college football fans and uh, and Alabama fans. So that's a great way to help share uh, the show with everyone. So Tom, I'm glad we got in a short show today. What do you think? Absolutely, man. Hey, this is a lot. Of, man, this was the toughest game for this team since the national championship. So it deserves a little more time, man. I think no, the listeners I, will. I think the listeners will understand. No, I agree. I just, uh, whew, so relieved that the good guys came out on top, right? No, absolutely, man. Looking, looking forward to uh, uh, hopefully a few days for these guys to to recharge uh, and and get ready for uh, hopefully a game that that better be over, you know, by the end of the first quarter or the second quarter at the latest. Yeah, I want to enjoy my beverages during this next game. Yes, I want to enjoy watching the young guys develop. That's a, that's the goal. All right. Hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, Roll Tide.
Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.